We're going to look at God's word a little. You ready? Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And as you turn to that, the front of your worship folder says, times of transition can cause us to wonder what our roles should be. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read that during a time of great transition in Israel's history, God commissioned one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. What can we learn from his commissioning, and how can we apply to us this weekend as we gather to commission Pastor Doug and Dawn? Is there a commission for us as well? Powerful moment for us to just take a look and realize. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with two wings, or six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I answered, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing, never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn and be healed. And I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. God, as we read your word, we understand and know that it's your voice, your word spoken to us. And so I pray that you'd open our hearts, Lord, that we could hear what you have to say for us on this, on this very, very special day in the history of Calvary Community Church. Open our ears and the ears of our heart, I pray. In your name, amen. Amen. Moving into a short series here, trusting amidst transition. Our verse of the year, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And as we look at that and we consider that, and uh, so now we're in this time of transition, it doesn't change where we place our trust. Because even though everything may be changing here, God doesn't change. Amen? Amen. So the first thing we see is that God's commission comes in a time of transition. Our text tells us that. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now we read that and we look at it and we may not think too much about it, but 
Uzziah was a, was a king who brought incredible peace to Israel at a, at a pretty volatile time. And he reigned for 52 years. And it was a time of peace and a time of, of security. And so as he died, even though there were some things in his life that were a little offsetting, we get that. But as he died, it brought great question to the nation of Israel. Jewish tradition tells us that Isaiah and Uzziah could have been cousins. And so there was a family thing that was going on there as well. So there's this great transition time for the nation of Israel as King Uzziah dies, because what's going to happen? You see, Assyria was gaining in power, and they were surrounding and, and taking cities and taking nations. So who would ensure peace for Israel if King Uzziah was gone? We can wonder in our time of transition, what's going to happen? What, 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 what will happen? I think our text here shows us that we don't need to be concerned. It goes on to say that in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. Amen. Amen. The first thing we see when we're like taking a look at God's commission coming in a time of transition is God's sovereignly in control. God is seated on the throne and he's high and exalted. And we get this picture of heaven that's just unbelievable. I don't have enough time to unpack it for you here this morning. But if you take some time this week with a digging deeper to consider this, this, this throne of God. And John tells us that this is actually Jesus in a pre-incarnate uh, a visitation, a, a presentation of who he is, a revelation. Isaiah sees Jesus seated on the throne, and he's high and exalted. And all around the, th the throne are flying these angels, these special angels that are only mentioned here in Scripture, nowhere else, seraphim, seraphs, and they're the flaming ones. And the, the picture we get here is, is these, these angels, and who knows how big they are, And because the throne is enormous, can you imagine? And, and here's these angels, and they're covering their, their faces. Because of the holiness of God, they're covering their feet in humility, and they're flying around. And, and some of the commentators say, it's kind of like these giant flames flying all around the throne of God. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The only time we see a word repeated three times in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now when, when God wants to make a point in the Hebrew Scriptures, he repeats a word twice. So sometimes the word gold, gold, will be used to represent pure gold. And that's superlative. It's pure gold. So, so here we see holy, holy, holy. It's this super superlative. That God is holy and awesome and sovereign and mighty and more than you could ever even begin to imagine. And Isaiah sees that. And as these seraphim fly around the throne, singing, holy, 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 the doorpost and the thresholds shake. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just by their singing, everything is shaking because the sound is so loud and so amazing of the worship of God in the throne room of heaven. Could you imagine here if we got worshiping like that so much that the, the doorpost and the thresholds shook without amplification? Amen. Amen. And when you're in the presence of God and you see that this is what's happening, get it, Sylvia and Lillian, right now, they're shaking doorposts. Amen? Amen. And that's what's going on here. God's sovereign. He's in control. 
He's holy. He's almighty. And he is the king. I love that. God's commission comes in a time of transition. Isaiah comes face to face with God and realizes that, yes, King Uzziah is dead, but the king is alive. And the king knows what he's doing. And the king is sovereign. So have you ever truly encountered this sovereignty, this sovereign holiness of God? And if you have, then along with Isaiah, do you see that an encounter with God prepares your heart? Because he says, woe to me, I'm ruined or I'm silenced because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and now I've seen the king. And it's just hit me in the face of how unclean I am. The first chapter of Isaiah, just quickly, gets an idea of, of what, what Isaiah is talking about. Verse 2, Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and I brought them up, but they've rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manager, or manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. A sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They've forsaken the Lord. They've spurned the Holy One of Israel. They've turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there's no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged. Your country's desolate. Your city's burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste. See, this is, this is the people that Isaiah lives among. And he had been saying, woe to you, woe to you, and all of these things. And when he came to God, he said, woe to me. Because so many times when we take a look to see if we're in need of cleansing, we look to see if we're better than somebody else. And if we are, then clearly they need cleansing. And we'll help them know what that means and what that looks like. But when you encounter the holiness of God, and the spotlight of his glory shines on you, you begin to see the filthiness of your own lips and the ways that your worship isn't genuine and isn't pure and the ways that you give lip service to the glory of God. And you're confronted with that. And God in his kindness, Romans 2 tells us, leads us to repentance. So in his kindness, he reveals that to us so that we can be confronted by it, so that we can turn from it because it's blocking our relationship with him. And we can turn. And Isaiah tells us that one of the seraphs flew with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Imagine how hot the fire of the altar is if a flaming one needs tongs to take a coal from it. The burning that happens to, to take away the sin of the world. The altar in heaven. And a coal comes and it touches Isaiah's mouth and it, and it touches his lips and his guilt is taken away and his sin is atoned for. Listen, this is huge. Because once we come into the presence of God and we, we understand the depth of the guilt of our sin, and we come to God and we, and we repent and we turn and we ask his forgiveness. At that moment in time, forgiveness comes. Amen? And what do you do with that? 
guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Amen, John. And the truth is, most of us hold on to it. I've heard people say, I, I just can't forgive myself. I understand the depth that that comes from, but could I suggest to you that that's, in a way, very arrogant because you haven't sinned against yourself. You've sinned against God. And if you've asked him, he's forgiven you. So what you need to do is accept the forgiveness that God has, has brought to you. Your sin, your guilt, and your shame taken away, atoned for by that sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. So listen, don't live defeated by the things in the past. One of the things that happened for Isaiah is as he came into the presence of the Lord, it was clearly revealed to him the things that he had done wrong. He repented of those things, and he was forgiven. And his guilt was taken away, and he was cleansed. And he was like, oh, I'm clean before the Lord. Are you clean before the Lord? Have you come to a point in your life where you've asked him to be your Savior? and you've trusted him, and your sin and your guilt are taken away? Have you come to that point in your life? This is a good place to attest to that. It's safe here to say yes. Have you come to that point in your life? Yes. 43 of you. <laughs> are you living in the complete forgiveness, or are you living defeated? by your past. Because listen, if we're going to accept the commission that God brings to us, we have to understand that our heart has been cleansed. And that's the next thing we see. The Lord comes and he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? It's interesting. I, Isaiah says, then I heard the voice of the Lord. I wonder if the voice of the Lord was shouting all the time, who will go for us, who will go for us? But Isaiah didn't hear it. But now all of a sudden when he's cleansed, when his, when his guilt is taken away and his sin is atoned for, he says, wow, though my sin, my sin is a scarlet, it's been washed whiter than snow. Then he hears the voice of the Lord saying, who wants to go tell people about how great it is to be cleansed? And Isaiah says, eh, send somebody else. He says, me, send me, here I am. Look, look down here. I'm, I'm, look, here I am. See, there's this enthusiastic response because once you understand exactly what you've been saved for, you realize that you've been saved to be sent. You have been saved to be sent. And it's this amazing truth in our lives that we have been cleansed not so that we can walk around in past defeats, not so we can walk around holding that for ourselves, but so that we can go and proclaim it to a world that desperately needs to know the truth that they could be forgiven as well. And, and Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Yeah, an old illustration. I've used it a bunch of times. I'm going to use it once more. So Saturday at noon, I get an opportunity. Karen says, would you like to go to Walmart and get me a gallon of milk? <laughs> you know what it's like to go to Walmart at noon on a Saturday, right? I got a choice. 
I could say, oh, I got to go to Walmart. Or I could say, I get to go to Walmart. Right? Because I get to go. Meryl, she didn't ask you. She wouldn't have anyway. <laughs> she asked me, and I get to go. That's the picture we get here. God's saying, who's going to go for us? Who? Uh, I guess I could go. What? What's that about? Well, you know, man, got to go. Send David. He likes to travel. You know? Send, you know, send, send John. He can make pizzas. You know, what? Send, send Bill. He's got time. No! Send me. Here I am. You get that? Because understand that that moment that you, you trust Jesus as your Savior, all of a sudden, God has accepted you as his child. You have been adopted into his family. And he has accepted you. Oh, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. Understand, when you're adopted into the family of God, you're adopted into a missionary family. Oh. See, it's a family of missionaries. Now, Pastor Doug, you think you're in a family of missionaries. You are, but in a bigger way than, than we can even wrap our heads around. See, God is a missionary God. He is reaching into this world. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And he saved them so that he could send them. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You've been saved to be sent. You're part of a missionary family, which makes you a missionary. And each one of you is strategically located and receiving a call to be commissioned by God. The commission is the task entrusted to us as agents of God, as kids in the family. Ooh, that's exciting. I can see you guys are really excited about this. But it's the truth. Do you see that? And the power that comes from understanding that. So as you make your decisions, you know, and, and you're deciding what to do with your families. And I know so many families wrestle with how busy they are and, and you get involved and, and do I put my kid in soccer or basketball or, or those kinds of things. But once you realize the Lord is saying to you, who will go for us? You realize that when you go to those soccer things, amen, because you're going to sit next to a parent who needs to know about Jesus. So don't talk to him about what's on sale at Kohl's. Talk to him about Jesus. You see that everywhere you go, God's saying, where you are, will you be a witness for me? Will you share who I am with the people that you come in contact with? That's the commission. That's what the commission is. And it's interesting because this last half of chapter 6, Isaiah says, Send me. And God says, all right, go, but nobody's going to believe you. Wow. That's the world we live in, you know. A lot of people don't want anything to do with a God who's not loving in the way they've designed him to be loving. 
and their hearts have turned callous. The end of chapter 5, the middle of chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. That's the world we live in. But it was the world 27 centuries ago. So we don't wring our hands. We just respond. Send me. And I will proclaim the truth of God. A quote I came across yesterday from Rick Richardson, who's the professor for evangelism at Wheaton College. We must come to a point where we understand that Christians are not passive consumers, but active members of a sacrificing and serving missionary force sent into the world. Who? May I read that again for you? We must come to a point where we understand that Christians are not passive consumers, but active members of a sacrificing and serving ministry force sent into the world. Pastor Doug, are you making any sacrifices, Dawn? Any sacrifices to follow this commission? I know this much of it. I can't even imagine. It would be really easy to be passive and just stay here. See, you get that, right? But he can't stay here because he's taught us the whole time he's been here to hold your hands open to what God's called you to do. So if he stays, he's negating everything that he's taught us. How about you? How about you? What will you sacrifice? Now, we're not all going to have to pack up everything and move to Tennessee or Africa or Haiti or... But are you ready to sacrifice comfort for passionately and radically pursuing the commission that God has brought on your life, on my life? Because just as surely... As he called Doug and Don, he's calling you. So will you respond to the commission? It's a time of transition. Yes, it is. But God is on the throne, high and exalted. Are we ready to respond differently, perhaps, than we ever have before to the commission on our God, search our hearts. Search our hearts fully, Lord. Are we living cleansed? And so are we able to hear you calling? Who will go for us? And are we ready to respond? Let me be the one to go. God, speak to us, I pray. In your name, amen. As this last song is sung, I'm going to ask you, put some feet to this. If God has touched your heart and you want to respond, here I am, send me, this week I'll, I'll tell somebody in my workplace that I know Jesus. I'll ask somebody in the checkout line at Walmart when only one is open, and there's 14 of us in line, 
I'll say to them, do you think all the lines will be open in heaven? And all of a sudden, I'm talking to them about something spiritual. If you're ready to say, here I am, Lord, send me, don't know what it looks like, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Stand right up here. Come toward the cross and say, here I am, Lord, I'm ready to, to engage differently than I ever have before. And then, Pastor Doug, I'm going to ask you to pray over those who come up. Don't come up because there's pressure. Just come up because God's stirring.